This is the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, Managing Editor of Best's Recommended Insurance Attorneys. We're pleased to have with us today Attorney Nicole Tackett from the law firm of Vernus & Bowling with 17 offices across the southeastern U.S. Nicole is the North Carolina Workers' Compensation Department head for the firm. She graduated from UNC Chapel Hill School of Law in 2000 and has practiced workers' compensation law exclusively since that time. Nicole, we are very pleased to have you with us today. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Nicole handles claims for a wide variety of industries, and one of her primary specialties is trucking claims. And today we're going to be discussing trucking claims in North Carolina. And Nicole, can you tell us what first generated your interest in trucking claims? Sure. Um, It actually goes back to my childhood. Uh, My family is involved in all areas of the trucking industry. Um, My father was a driver, as well as some of my uncles and cousins. Um, Other relatives um, were involved in the financial aspect of the trucking industry, providing financing for our owner-operators. And I also have relatives that, that sell trucks and fix them. So it's kind of been in my blood since I was a little girl. I've always been around trucks. I've always been fascinated by them. Um, and from a legal perspective, it's just a really interesting area of the law. So can you tell us what are some of the special issues that arise when handling trucking claims in particular? Sure. Um, there are a lot of unique issues that come up in the trucking area, and that's mainly due to the nature of the job and the drivers that perform it. Um, first of all, there are a lot of jurisdictional issues that come up in claims, and, and that's just because of the job itself. For example, you could have a, a, a company that is headquartered in North Carolina. You could have a driver who resides in South Carolina, and you could have an accident that takes place in Georgia. And all three of those states would be appropriate jurisdictions in which this particular claim could be handled. Um, And what can be a little bit frustrating about trucking claims is that maybe that exact scenario um, happens. And so the claim, the adjuster, the insurance company, whatever, starts handling the claim out of Georgia because that's where the accident actually occurred. And then a year, year and a half later, the claimant files a motion to move the claim to North Carolina. That's something that can 100% be done, provided that, you know, all the statutory requirements are met. But it can be a real surprise when you're adjusting your reserves on a claim, uh, particularly when a claimant switches to a state where the average weekly wage limitations are much higher. Uh, For example, I think that Georgia may be capped off at around $350 a week, but North Carolina it's over $940. Um, So a switch like that can really have um, a a crazy high impact on a claim and the cost issues associated with a claim. Um, And also it's important to remember, too, that although um, insurance companies can go ahead and start handling a claim in a particular jurisdiction, usually it's the jurisdiction where the accident occurs, it's always the claimant's choice to choose to file it in another jurisdiction. Um, so sometimes those issues create some really nasty surprises well into a claim. So that's definitely one issue that is uh, particularly comes up a lot in trucking claims just because of the nature of the job. 
um, and that, you know, you've got guys and women, too, that are driving all over the United States, so a number of different jurisdictions can come into play. Also in trucking claims, you'll see that the injuries tend to be pretty significant, particularly back claims, and that's um, due to a variety of different reasons. Uh, first and forth, uh, foremost, truck drivers tend to be, um, uh, you know, an aging population. Um, so a, a lot of drivers that I see that get injured are probably in their 50s, and, you know, they come to the table with all the problems that somebody in their 50s would have, um, degenerative problems, uh, perhaps, you know, diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, all these things contribute to a person's overall health and ability to heal from a workplace accident. So that's definitely something that you see a lot in the trucking claims. Also, with being a truck driver, you know, it's a very um, sedentary position for long periods of time. So oftentimes, too, when you're faced with work conditioning and maybe having to build up some muscle or some body strength as part of the healing process, um, you may be dealing with a claimant that is, is perhaps a little bit unconditioned and has some other health issues that just make it a little bit harder um, to, to heal and to go forward from that particular type of, of injury. Also, too, it's difficult to get a claimant back into the workforce doing light duty in the trucking area. Um, we all know the statistics. The sooner you get somebody back to work, even if it's sorting paper clips or just doing something, the better they're going to heal and also the more likely they're going to be able to return to work full-time at, at some time in the future. Uh, conversely, the longer they're out of work, the more likely it is that they're going to stay out of work. But for trucking companies, there's not a lot of light-duty positions that are around. Um, you know, you're pretty much a truck driver, and that's pretty much what you, what you are. Um, so sometimes it can be difficult in those claims when you're dealing with a back injury. You know, you might have some age and some non-work-related condition factors that just make it difficult to get somebody to maximum medical improvement as quickly as, uh, as possible, compounded by the fact that, you know, it's hard to even get the person back at light duty and kind of keep the claimant still in the swing of things from a business sense during the healing period. Um, so that's often challenging in claims. And finally, too, there's a huge wage issue, particularly in North Carolina where we have um, really high limitations on the average uh, weekly wage. Truck drivers earn great, great income. Um, and that's wonderful for them, but it's difficult for us uh, when a claimant reaches maximum medical improvement. He or she can no longer go back to driving a truck. It's hard to get somebody into suitable employment and a different job within that same wage range. So a lot of times you'll see trucking claims where a claimant may be at maximum medical improvement, and there might not really be a lot of future medical treatment that's anticipated, but sometimes there's light or medium-level restrictions that the employer can no longer accommodate, and so it's our job under North Carolina law to get this particular claimant back at work in a real position within these restrictions um, in, a, in a close, doesn't have to be exact, but in a close wage range. And sometimes that is really difficult to do 
If you've got somebody that particularly lives in a rural area of North Carolina, you know, may have been driving a truck for 30 years and really hasn't done much else other than that. If that person is earning $1,500 a week pre-injury wages, it's hard to come up with a job for that type of person with restrictions in that same kind of wage bracket. So you'll see that trucking claims can sometimes be really, really expensive, not from a medical perspective, but from a wage replacement perspective and what it costs to settle those claims. Nicole, are trucking claims investigated any differently from other types of claims? Um, I wouldn't say that they're investigated any differently. However, trucking claims provide us with a real unique opportunity to take advantage of some things that you wouldn't see in a normal claim. For example, you know, drivers are required to have their annual DOT physicals. So in a, in a normal claim that might happen in an office, we're not going to have access to that particular claimant's, you know, regular, you know, annual, uh, you know, physician visit or, you know, physical or anything like that. We're not going to have that information. But with a driver, you are going to have the DOT physical, and you're going to have a really good idea of what that particular claimant's problems are or aren't, or at least what the claimant has reported to the DOT. Um, so that can be a very useful tool to kind of figure out um, what the person's pre-injury status is and, and how it's changed, if at all, following a workplace injury. Um, it also um, is a good tool to kind of understand, too, what pre-injury conditions maybe that you're looking at that are going to have an impact on the worker's compensation claim. Also, too, there's other tools available um, that can really be useful in investigating a claim. For example, the cameras that can be installed either inside or outside the truck. Um, I just had a recent case where due to the driver uh, it, cameras that were located inside the cab, we were able to see that what, what looked like, based on what witnesses could see from the outside of this truck crashing um, you know, into a guardrail, looked like it would have been a compensable accident. However, the driver camera showed us that the driver actually had a seizure while he was driving, um, which was a non-compensable uh, event or ended up being so. So in any event, it gave us some real insight and enabled us to deny a claim, to have a defense to a claim where otherwise we wouldn't have been able to do that. Also, too, there's other tools. You know, if there is a bad crash, you know, you've got, you've got the black box. You've got all kinds of tools to find out if what actually happened in an accident, what was the cause of it, and also if you can kind of replay the accident, does that mechanism of accident cause a particular type of injury that a driver is claiming? A lot of times you'll see, too, like, you know, hey, was this guy driving when he was supposed to be driving? Was he actually driving? Was he on the road? Was he, wasn't, was he not supposed to be on the road? And so the travel logs can be real useful in obtaining that information as well. So actually the, 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 the driver claims really kind of give us a, a lot more investigative tools than other claims would normally do. Is occupational accident insurance a good substitute for workers' compensation insurance? Well, it depends on the state that you're in. Definitely not in North Carolina. In fact, a few years ago, a statute, um, 9719.1, was especially enacted to basically ensure that pretty much all truck drivers are covered 
under workers' comp insurance. And the purpose was to ex- uh, specifically exclude um, AGAC insurance policies from acting as a, a substitute or a replacement from true workers' comp insurance. Um, under that statute, it says that, you know, sometimes a trucker can be considered to be an independent contractor. And, and that's typically the scenario where you will see an, an AGAC policy come into play when maybe somebody is driving under like a lease or a lease purchase option. They're not considered an employee of the trucking company. Um, and instead of providing workers' comp for the individual, um, they're given the option of an OCAC policy, and those premiums are taken out of any type of paycheck or wages. That's typically the scenario that it comes uh, in which this type of insurance comes into play. Um, under the North Carolina statute, and I could go on for hours about 9719.1. It's a very intricate and interesting statute. But the gist of it says that even if you determine that a driver is, in fact, an independent contractor versus an employee, the driver is still going to be covered under the employer's workers' comp insurance policy unless the driver is driving under his or her own DOT number. And in 99% of the cases, the driver is not driving under his or her own DOT number. Um, under the lease situations, typically, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's the company with, who has the DOT number. Um, so pretty much, if you're driving a truck in North Carolina, you're probably going to be considered to be somebody's employee and, and covered under some type of workers' comp insurance policy, which, in fact, is the purpose of, of this statute. Um, now, an employer that has drivers drive in North Carolina and kind of has this set up, um, there is a potential risk for that, for not having workers' comp coverage in North Carolina. Um, that can be considered as a failure to have proper workers' comp coverage and can subject an employer to fees, fines, and penalties as well as sanctions um, by the Attorney General's office. Um, but sometimes, depending on the situation, particularly with the national carriers, sometimes it's just a risk worth taking. Um, the good news is that when a driver gets injured in North Carolina, he's driving as an independent contractor, there's an OCK Act policy in place, there's no North Carolina coverage in place. Those are claims that we can settle, um, and usually that's what, what people want to do. They don't want those claims litigated. Um, they want to go ahead and settle that, and they want to make sure that the injured driver is, is taken care of and the situation is resolved. And during those settlements, um, any issues under the OCK-ACK policy can be resolved at the same time as the pending workers' comp claim as well. So they can get a little bit complicated in our state, but they're definitely something, um, it happens quite frequently where OGAC policies are in play in the trucking industry, um, and they're definitely something that, that can be settled and resolved in our state, although it's a little bit tricky. But um, in North Carolina, whether a truck driver is an independent contractor or not, there is no substitute for workers' compensation insurance in our state. Um, you either have it or if you don't, and if you don't and the AG's office gets wind, then you know, you're going to get in trouble. Nicole, do you have any cautionary advice for trucking companies operating in North Carolina with respect to their handling of workers' compensation claims? 
Um, I would say the most important thing that companies can do is to have really consistent policies. Um, have consistent policies towards reporting and handling claims. Also, too, um, companies need to think about injuries before they happen and have really good health and safety preventative measures in place. Um, have safe trucks, have safe loading docks, and have a real plan in place for medical treatment and how that's going to be handled. And if possible, to have maybe a light duty program in place with a third-party vendor um, so that those drivers can, can heal well and, and quickly and be out on the road again. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. That was Nicole Tackett from the Vernus and Bowling Law Firm with 17 offices across the southeastern U.S. And special thanks to today's producer, Frank Bowinkle. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, go to iTunes or our webpage, www.ambest.com slash claims resource. And if you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast at ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, and now this message. Best Insurance Professionals and Claims Resource is the top website for locating qualified professionals and need-to-know insurance information for the claims market. Brought to you by AM Best, the world leader in insurance industry information. Visit ambest.com slash claims resource.